0: On this podcast You've got two Bob W's for beer here and we are at Concord Craft Brewing Company and we're with one of the owners, Dennis Molnar. He's the proprietor along with his wife.
1: Dennis, why did you guys get into the beer business? Well, we're lifelong uh, home brewers. Like many people, we met, we started brewing and we we brewed beer for our wedding. And uh, whenever we've traveled we've always sought out uh, interesting beers and local beers and um, I've worked down in Boston for almost 15 years and uh, a couple years ago the company I work for merged. I had the opportunity to just kind of rethink priorities and um, this is something that I always thought about doing but never had the opportunity to do it. So uh, with a little bit of discussion and maybe a little bit of arm twisting with my wife, <laughs> we, uh, we decided that Concord really needed uh, something downtown. So it's a good-sized city. They do like beer here and uh, we really felt like we needed to, needed to put a brewery downtown. So,
0: And you guys opened up fairly recently, January of this year. That's right. 2017. How long did it take you to get the brewery together from the time that you decided you wanted to do it
1: until opening day? A little under two years. I mean, we sort of looked around for the space. My wife was kind enough to go to beer school at the American Brewers Guild in uh, Middlebury, Vermont to make sure that we didn't just have home brewing experience, but that we actually had commercial brewing experience and once we sort of figured out uh, what we needed for as far as a facility was concerned it took us about 10 months or so to find the space and another gosh another eight or nine months to kind of get it all all uh, fit up and organized and get the licenses and whatnot how big is this space? It's the space is about we have about 3,500 square feet here the brewery itself is about 1,500 about a thousand of storage and about a thousand um, that is our sort of public and, uh, and tasting our area. And it, you've got these beautiful
0: exposed granite walls and you've got these old timbers. Uh, looks like a pretty old building.
1: It is, yeah. The building dates back to the 1860s. And it's had a bunch of different uh, uses over the years from a, a farmer supply called Merrimack Farmers Exchange for, for many, many years. Uh, there's a grain silo that's part of the building as well that's still sort of. Uh, built in. and We have old chutes and things in our storage area, but it's been a motorcycle repair shop, a gas station, a fly fishing store, a furniture store. It's had a lot of lives.
0: So you guys are the second brewery that's opened up in Concord recently?
1: We are. Uh, The folks down on Hall Street, Litherman's Limited, opened it up in April, so about nine months before we did, so April of last year.
0: Why did it take so long for Concord to get a
1: a brewery of its own? (laughs) Too many people doing the same thing we did, which is saying... Somebody needs to do it. <laughs> that's uh, a good question. <laughs> that's a good question.
0: Two new brew pubs in New Hampshire within a couple of years. Is this a new trend? Could we expect to see
1: some more? I don't know. Actually, I hope there would be more in Concord. Cities of a similar size like Burlington have more than 20 breweries, and in it. Portland, which is a little bit bigger, has more than 20 in it as well. There actually we're up to about 70 breweries or, or brew pubs, microbreweries, nanobreweries, or brew pubs in New Hampshire. and and Litherman's and and us are not the the youngest of the batch. There's there's four or five already since uh, we opened up in January.
0: And are you guys aiming for a particular angle with the styles that you're producing or just pretty much any style that strikes your fancy?
1: Well, you know, we hired a head brewer named Doug Vogel, who's brewed around the country, and the goal was to to make sure we had at least a couple of beers that any beer drinker who came in would enjoy. And you know, some of that's uh, pushing the limit a little bit on some creative things, but but our primary, uh, in addition to the tasting room, our primary business is keg sales, and so you know you need to make a beer that that will sell in a restaurant. And so it, if the ABV too high or the flavor is too unusual. Um, sometimes it's hard for a restaurant to sell a keg of that. So uh, what we really aim for with our beer is that we do both, you know, sort of German and uh, English styles primarily, but to make them balanced. So if we've got a, a really interesting hop characteristic, it's nice to balance that off with a little bit of malt as well. And your brewer, Doug, did he come from another brewery? He did. So Doug uh, started a train with Helvetia brewing out in Sacramento. And then worked for AB InBev out in California as well. Uh, and then came east into Massachusetts and brewed at Beerworks in Lowell, at Cape Ann Brewing, and most recently Cape Cod Brewing. And we hired him at the end of last year to come be the head brewer here. And the brew house? It's 15 barrels.
0: And as far as percentage of production that goes out the door versus what you sell in-house...
1: Oh, probably three quarters of what we sell is keg sales, and, and then another quarter is uh, is sold here at the tasting room. Uh, we're only open for five days a week. We have a sort of modest food offering, so we're not necessarily a dinner destination. We're a bit more of a taste the beer and then go out and have uh, dinner at one of the restaurants that serves it in, in the city. Uh, we're in 50 restaurants on tap, and uh, including 23 right here in Concord. And are you selling out-of-state, or is it all New Hampshire? No, we're all New Hampshire at this point. And we just started canning back in the summer when we were in 20 different retail stores uh, with cans, but having trouble keeping them on the shelf, so trying to to up it up. None of our beers are pasteurized, and a number of them are unfiltered, so it's fresh beer. It's easy to keep the beer fresh in kegs because you keep it cold. So it's cold from when we uh, ferment it and filter it and carbonate it. And it stays cold here, and then we deliver it cold to restaurants to keep it in a cold room. It keeps the beer fresh, just like any other fresh product. Cans in a lot of places they won't keep them cold. It's not that the beer spoils per se, but the flavors do change if it gets warmer and as it ages. And in our opinion, not always for the better. So and it's it's harder on the uh, the beers that are that are unfiltered and unpasteurized. There's more things in there to mix and change over.
0: Now, I'd read in an article, I think maybe in the Monitor, about you guys were using steam power when you first opened, but the steam plant has <laughs> since closed. since
1: closed, it's true.
0: Now, you weren't actually powering the boil kettle and the mash kettle with the steam, were you? We were,
1: yeah. And so most, nearly all big breweries use steam. Steam is the best form of cooking because you can heat the whole vessel, the sides and the bottom, whereas direct fire, you're just heating the bottom. And electric, you're heating parts and, and coils essentially with uh, the side. Um, so steam is both efficient and fast. And really, everything you try to do in brewing is get it hot fast, get the enzymes converted, get it cold fast, you know, get it fermented. And so steam is, is in our opinion, the best, the best thing to heat with. Uh, so we were, we were taking in steam that they used for heating in about 350 customers i guess if you will including the state state house and the schools and whatnot in concord but they did close at the end of may and so we've uh, added in our own boiler and so now we make our own steam here
0: that's interesting i I
1: don't think i've ever heard of any brewery that used outsourced steam before. most breweries have their own boilers there are a few so we went and visited a brewery called steam whistle in uh, Toronto that uses the city steam as its source. It's in a downtown steam uh, heat district, so they use the city steam there as well. And a bunch of other, a few other places, I shouldn't say a bunch of other, a few other places in cities that are in steam districts. But steam districts are kind of going the way of uh, the dinosaurs and it was just sort of uh, a fun convenience. For us, it it allegedly was the last wood-powered steam generation, you know, city public uh, utility. It was fun while it lasted, but it only lasted about six months for us.
0: And you guys, you just are getting going now. You haven't even been open for a full year,
1: but do you have a target for your production? Yeah, I think we'll be between five and 600 barrels this year, and hopefully we'll like double that next year. We've got uh, three fermenters in a bright, and we're looking to double up on that.
0: Do you intend to expand beyond New Hampshire, uh, picking up rest of New England, Maine, Vermont?
1: Rhode Island. I uh, we're not looking to get out of state at the moment. I think there's plenty okay. of beer to sell in New Hampshire. You know, maybe one day down the road, uh, we'll you know, go broader. But for now, right. it's just New Hampshire. Yeah. You tend to make a restaurant atmosphere here. Yeah, you know it's interesting. Every state has different laws around right. allowed to have food. Some places not allowed to have food. Some of it has to do with sort of competing with restaurants for, you know, for food and, and yeah, alcohol yeah. sales. Yeah, exactly. So New Hampshire's variant of it is that essentially you can only serve up to 4 ounces, and this is a 5-ounce glass with a 4-ounce pour in it, without having food. And the, I guess the logic behind it is a couple, after a couple pints of a relatively high ABV beer, it's not, a, it's not an awful thing if people have some food in their stomach. So, I mean, there's a little bit of logic behind it. For us, we're, we're technically a nano brewery. That's our license. We're under 2,000 barrels a year. And that allowed us to get a secondary license to be a nano plus, which allows us to sell food and then also do full pours. We have a, a fairly limited food menu with the focus really being making great beer. We have food here if you want it. And then we encourage people to go to the, the many places that serve one or several of our beers and have a full food menu. So how's the beer? <laughs> yeah,
0: the beer is good. It's very, uh, it's clean. You've got a, a wide range here. You can see on the blog post pictures of the beer and descriptions. But everything from very light Kolsch and uh, light Afeweizen, Afeweizen? Yeah. yeah, all the way up to the, uh, the Town Pound Porter, yeah. yeah, and the Store Street Stout, uh, and pretty much everything in between. And I see you've got a couple of these New England style IPAs, trying to hit that trend of the
1: hazy, hoppy. Well, that, we, we, you tend to brew what you like. And, and so we do like big beers. What we like about the New England style is that the New England style has so much so much dry hopping in it that all the hops aren't just bittering hops. And there's four different kinds of malt in each of those as well. So there's, there's enough, even though they're not particularly dark in color, there's enough other flavors to sort of balance them out. And, and frankly, the yeast that's still in there and that makes them hazy also gives you some additional flavor. So what we find... is that that there are a number of people who don't like IPAs or bitter beers but still end up liking a New England-style IPA. People come in all the time and say, boy, I never really liked an IPA before. (laughs) And then they leave with the governor, which is our, our double up. Dennis, thank you so much for taking some time on a
0: Sunday after a hockey game to talk to us about Concord Craft Brewing Company. Thanks for showing us around, and thanks for all the delicious beers. Well, thanks for coming by. Really appreciate it.